We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And now New Galaxy Broadcasting presents Inalienable and Free, Voice of the Coalition, a program addressing the grave challenges to human and citizen rights in America and the rest of the world. How can we, the people of Earth, take back the power and privileges granted to us by God and address so significantly in the Declaration of Independence? Our rights are inalienable, that is, given by God and incapable of being taken away from or given by another. These rights are the basis of liberty, the foundation of all life and happiness. The Coalition of Planetary Empowerment is an organization designed to give its members tools and information to empower them personally, in relationships and in business and employment, but also to give them a voice and the ability to help transform political and corporate governance to support the true needs and desires of people throughout the world. Inalienable and Free focuses on the need for government and corporate business interests to be responsive to the will and desire of their constituents and consumer shareholders. Good morning. Welcome to Inalienable and Free, Voice of the Coalition. Our program supports the development, still at its earliest stages, of an organization we are calling, as we explain, the Coalition for Planetary Empowerment, which is which is meant to help restore, maintain, and enhance the inalienable rights mentioned in the Declaration, partially promulgated by the Constitution and subsequent national and international legal protections. We should point out here that inalienable, and inalienable rights referred to in the Declaration refers to all men, that is, all persons, and not just citizens of a specific country. In our case, the basic human and citizen rights in the United States have been stripped of much of their potency, and that philosophy of inequality has extended into our foreign relations. We're pleased today to be joined with, uh, joined by uh, Don Newsom, the founder and esteemed owner of BBS Radio, a platform we broadcast from every week and which I recommend to all uh, emerging or experienced talk show hosts. Don joins me every week to challenge myself and our audience to see a sometimes radically different picture of our current situation, although we often enjoy a profoundly attuned collaboration in contemplating many of our more perfected paradigms of a better future, in areas like international borders, nuclear disarmament, the protection of the environment. In other words, we sometimes agree, right, Don? Well, sometimes we actually do agree. <laughs> <laughs> Before we jump into the program, could you give us an update on some of the bolder new capacities of BBS Radio? Well, I could tell you a little good news, a little bad news. Um, we've been doing a lot more video. Um, and uh, we have three computers here that do the video uh, system. And uh, our main streaming video system uh, blew up 14 minutes into a, a program. And I was thinking, oh, no. oh no. So um, last week, Thursday, uh, I had to make some orders and uh, got some stuff shipped here the following day by Friday. And uh, all week long, I've been uh, putting in new equipment. I'm still not done. Uh, we have brand a Eurodesk, new Eurodesk board for Station 1 and um, new video equipment and systems, and that's all being installed. We're going high-end now. We really are. We're going extreme because, well, you know, we're doing so much programming now compared to times in the past and a lot more video productions, video streaming, uh, and audio streaming to everywhere. We have now separate streams going all over the world. I mean, literally, new created streams on IceCast and Shellcast servers that are being relayed to stations uh, throughout Europe, uh, the Middle East, um, and so on. So we've been growing a lot. We've been having quite a bit of fun, but it does entail little growing pains, and that's what we're in right, right now. We hope to be through the the juggernaut this week sometime, the end of this week, and next week we should be clean sailing again. But we're just having fun. A lot of new things happening. A lot of new Amen. things. Yeah, we're finishing off um, an insurance policy so that we can be streaming live on iHeartRadio. We haven't done that yet, folks. We're doing that now. We are podcasting everywhere. 
and including iHeartRadio, but we do want to be live on iHeart, uh, and uh, we've made that happen, but it is contingent on uh, an insurance policy, and we're just finalizing that now. Um, and good on them, because iHeartRadio doesn't want to take on digital broadcasting live, only AM, FM, unless the digital broadcaster has some um, ability to protect them, because they want to be protected. So... Um, in case the digital station, you know, airs anything they shouldn't or does anything they shouldn't. So we're going through that now. It's a lot of fun, a lot of uh, interesting, uh, you know, new stuff for a station like ours. But, um, yeah, Johnny, it's been a crazy week. <laughs> Glad you're with well, me all now. I, all I can say is I'm thinking ABC, <laughs> Thank NBC, CBS, BBS. Uh, pardon me? I'm thinking ABC, CBS, NBC, BBS. Right. There you go. We're the next three-letter uh, media alphabet we, company. That's we, we right. Won't, we won't call you mainstream. We'll call you <laughs> next stream. Next stream. Well, this present series that we're, this program, is called Recipe for a Perfect World, a Geopolitical Perspective. In it, we examine various paradigms that might transform the world in a more perfect way. This subset of programs, in other words, we have this big, long thing called Recipe for a Perfect World, and we have, we have some subset programs, and this one is actually in its fourth part, and it's called Informed and Awakened, Deprogramming the American Electorate, number four. And it's titled, Can We Recognize Bias in Ourselves and Others? And this is an extremely important one because it begins to get into the point, what is programming, What what is... What is making people biased? Um, what, what is giving them a certain perspective? If, and if it's wrong, can it be changed? And how would you change it? And how would you help others to change it if there is indeed a, uh, a national catastrophe of programming, which I happen to believe there is? Uh, those of you who haven't heard our previous shows may remember that we have talked about six elements needed to be, need, needed to, the, uh, to be informed and awakened that the person who's informed waking needs to have in order to focus on the task of real citizenship, which involves truly undertaking responsibility as a part of a representative democracy, a republic. They are, be informed, question everything, check your own biases, ask why, create better paradigms, organize and join with others in order to make these paradigms actually happen. Well, what do you think of that? Do you think those are a good way of looking at um, how we should look at ourselves to become better citizens? Am I leaving anything out, Don? I think you covered the whole gambit. I think you're right on track. Well, today we're going to examine the third step, checking your own biases, but also checking the biases of others you may wish to support or possibly ultimately object to. I would say that certain biases, as pointed out in one of our clips that we're going to play, are quite natural and good, like loving your children more than other children, or being attached in a natural way to your homeland, the country you live in, preferring a certain kind of cuisine that tastes better to you than others. Other biases, which people often support by certain facts, can ultimately be quite irrational and even dangerous. As we shall see, human rationality, while it exists, is not always the controlling factor. Did you think it was the controlling factor? Do you think reason has been working very well for mankind? Well, you know, we are reasonable beings. <laughs> We've been taking some right and left turns occasionally, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, as we shall see, human rationality, while it exists, is not always the controlling factor. And looking at these biases and ridding ourselves of the ones that do not stand up to self-inquiry is part of the process of awakening, and often because a certain person honestly attempts to become truly informed. Okay, so uh, we're going to get very current in our news. Not totally current, but uh, close to it. I always get scared when you say things like that because then I have to be up on my uh, on my uh, events. <laughs> well, I know, you, I know you know this person. I, I know you're up enough on on this, but we'll see what you think. We will begin with a controversial person who has made a huge sea change in her life. One of the top challenges to the Trump administration. Probably not as much as uh, uh, other people these days, but um, her name is Omarosa Manigault Newman, who was associated with Trump for around 16 years and whom he took to the White House. Here's what she said while defending Trump while she was still ensconced in her position in 86. Donald Trump is racial. 
But he is not a racist. The things that he says, the, the types of pushback that he gives involve people of color. These are racial exchanges. Yes, I will acknowledge many of the exchanges, particularly in the last six months, have been racially charged. Do we then just stop and label him as a racist? No. Well, Amorosa is getting a lot of um, attention. One of the things is that she has done a few major U-turns like we we're talking about. Uh, some will say in a good way, in another way, let's hear this and then hear your comments. Don. But then she comp she was compelled to leave and having committed to some serious moral transgressions because of her involvement with the Trump administration, she changed her tune. So let's hear what, what she says. And you have heard the I have heard since the publication tape. of this book. Absolutely. I have heard for two years that it existed. And once I heard it for myself, it was confirmed what I feared the most, that Donald Trump is a con and has been masquerading as someone who is actually open to engaging with diverse communities. But when he talks that way, the way he did on this tape, it confirmed that he is truly a racist. Uh, depending on your point of view about Amorosa's motives, now the author of a best-selling book in, on him, she appears to be in reality or pretending to have experienced a true awakening. What do you think? I think any person that won't honor their agreements, their signed agreements, to shut their mouth, uh, I don't have any respect for them at all, no. So Omar, uh, uh, Omarosa, <laughs> Amorosa, she, uh, she doesn't have my respect at all. Um, you know, and neither do others that go beyond their confidentiality agreements, ever. So, well, I believe that that confidentiality agreement has been challenged as being illegal. It's always challenged. seems to always well, no, be challenged when not, it comes to Trump the, and all the people that working, want to challenge no, no. these things. It just, working it's just working for the government. So it, it's it, not I the mean, same look thing. at what she did. She walked in there. She taped a meeting she shouldn't have. I mean, she used her position to not only go against her own agreement, but to to do something quite despicable. And uh, it's a lot like taping the president prior to him even becoming the president, going after him and trying to find out what he says and who he's involved with and everything else, um, and using the power of government to do that. Although, she, you know, Omarosa has no power, she still, to me, is uh, the scum of the earth. And uh, I, I would not have anything good to say about somebody that can't keep to their agreements. Well, I, and I then think uses her position... Yeah to try yeah. to get a few points so she can get on the stage for her two seconds of fame and because that's what she wants. Look at her past and who she is and what she's done, where she is. So she really wants that limelight. And by God, she's getting it. But as far as uh, what I think and others, I think it stinks. I think she stinks. And uh, it's unfortunate that a person like that... Um, uh, well, it's unfortunate Trump even knows a person like that. Same with the lawyer, uh, Cohen. You know, I mean, you get involved with creeps, and that's what Trump's done. I, I'm the first to admit it. He got involved with some real serious creeps, bad actors, and now he's going to pay the price. No wonder, um, you know, uh, the eunuch was so pleased and keeping everything under wraps because he finally did have a few people that were willing to talk their face off in, in when they're in positions that they shouldn't be or have agreements that they that should keep them quiet, they went and did it anyways. It's well, the same well, old thing. It's the same old thing when it comes well, to Trump. And now we're think, all trying to rationalize it on I, this I, stage, I trying to say, oh, you're but... Really, you're not really dealing with the fact that this NDE is probably illegal and cannot be enforced in court. Oh, again. And why, why should you... Why, you know, no, this is again, not a private all the company. excuses I hear You're on those things, just because when it comes to Trump, we all got our excuses to lay them out. It's no. unfortunate. Well, I mean, okay. It, it, well, I'm not the mainstream media, and I'll never claim to me, and I wouldn't do what CNN and some of those poop streams, uh, you know, media companies are doing. They're just lying their faces off. They're creating fake news. They're creating animosity, strife, racism, uh, polarization. It is the big media companies. They are controlled by intelligence agencies, CIA, FBI. And don't think the Department of Justice isn't a part of this as well, but they've streamlined this shit. 
and uh, it's just par for the course. You're, you're not dealing with the, with what I said though, because you're not dealing right, because with because there's, there's a whole. There's a whole. You cannot. You you you're saying an NDE, even if it's illegal, is something she should keep, especially when you're talking about the illegal. Illegal. You're working illegal. in, the, in, the, in, in administration <laughs> as as a, as a government <laughs> official, and you're not allowed to talk about it when you leave your office. <laughs> You think that's funny? I think it. How I think it's funny. We're trying. You and others are trying to put a lady on a pedestal that is, uh, I, I think, uh, a criminal. I don't believe that I put her on a pedestal <laughs> in this discussion. I said that I thought. I think that the NDE is, as other people have said, is probably illegal, and you should probably. not. Well, let's keep, just talk about like it is. Keep, and let's you should just, not keep. You see, you that's not the keep thing. people in government from being able to discuss what's happened to them, because then we'll never know the true history of it all. Well, and under certain, you know, that's why we have those agreements. That's why those agreements are no. Those in agreements place. are not typical. That's wrong. I, those I, you know, that she signed it. She typical. signed it. She didn't have to. That's the yes, thing. It yes, wasn't me did. who signed it. It wasn't anybody else. It was her. Okay, so, so if you sign an illegal agreement, then you're bound for it. You're bound to it. Because look, that's if I fine. sign an agreement, I'm going to stick to it. Whether it's even, got... if, even if it's destructive of our entire country to, to uh, not oh, know something Oh, come about. on. I just see now we're wrapping Omarosa into some... Uh, no, I'm not. No, I haven't talked. I have not said one thing. Well, even to say that okay, Omarosa, right? But let's. Let, but is it, right it, is, or wrong. it does have to do with Omarosa. I, I, let's I put it to you this way: If yeah. she signed an illegal agreement that she thought was illegal, that she thought she shouldn't have signed, and that it was illegal, then she should have. She should have worked that out with the legal team quietly, and not brought it onto the stage. That should uh, have been. Not, that that not, should have been. That's, she should have. Right. That this is. You know, these things that occurred are not, and I truly believe this should have never been brought to the public. Ever. Well, okay. Well, let's go on, if you don't mind. Sure. I, I think um, you definitely conveyed your point of view, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna have. You'll hear some of mine. You know, if we don't deal with honesty and government honesty with our agreements, honesty in everything. We're going to get what we got, what we have now. And um, the so big, the biggest, the biggest liar in presidential history in the world that has ever seen, but a total liar. And he, it's just been, you're complaining about Michael Cohen, but what he revealed was some of I personally uh, believe a lot of his lies, a lot of his lies have to do no, with rhetoric about, in order to keep every, to we're keep talking about taking criminal charges on yourself and going to jail and and saying that that there was uh, this kind of election tamp uh, election illegality involved in this money, so he I, I, and he's not taking a pardon. So we can see we can call him scum and everything, but nonetheless, <laughs> the fact the fact is is what he did is he revealed right now a certain amount of dishonesty about this president. But it's very clear when you listen to the president that he he dis changes his tune a lot of times about a lot of different things but we're going to go on now and i kind of like and i kind of like a person that has an open mind and has the ability to adapt and change uh and as far as i'm concerned his course is still steady he might have a lot of rhetoric for the people in the media and people in government to keep them off balance and 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 so on but he seems to be still heading in the same general direction we elected him for and to me that's awesome okay well i'm going to give you a story here this is a, a little bit of a story i'm going to have to ask you to ma to imagine that you're another sex for a minute, okay? I can do that for you, okay. Johnny. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's not for me. It's oh, for the right, story. Right. I just right. like this, this particular story. <laughs> imagine you are a married woman with three children living in Latin America country. Your husband is a successful agricultural engineer and expert in irrigation systems. Unfortunately, he's being recruited by a drug cartel that wants his agricultural services to grow certain illegal crops. Not wanting to be killed, but also not wanting to work for them, he strings them along, hoping to quickly exit the country with his wife and children. 
although they are fairly well off, they do grow a lot of their own crops and have various animals like chickens, pigs, and goats. One day after they have spent the morning packing, you, the wife, leaves to do some final shopping with her children. She comes back to face a smoldering home. All their animals have been killed and their crops destroyed. She cannot find her husband and is worried he's been kidnapped. Later on, trying to find whatever she can, she goes into a back shed and finds her husband's body. On his body, there's a childlike picture of four dead people, a woman and three children. She now knows she must flee for her life. She manages to make it to her mother's house and grab some supplies. She has very little money, but some, and they manage to get to a nearby town by foot and take a bus. The only place she thinks she can be safe in the United States, the only place she thinks she can be safe is the United States. She can't make it the entire way, but she manages to cross over to Mexico and literally has to beg for food and shelter on her way to the border. Knowing the long delays at the points of entry for asylum seekers and the difficulty of getting that status, she manages to cross over and is picked up by the border control and in front of her children is put in handcuffs and watches them being taken away. As her English is sparse, she barely understands why her children have been taken away. She winds up in detention, signing documents she does not understand. In a few days, she learns from other detainees that there is a clear chance that her children will not be returned to her because she is deported, if ever. She is heartbroken, penniless, and confused while waiting to be deported. Tell me, Don, would you like to be like her? I wouldn't be her. And as far as uh, illegal, there's a whole bunch of... You mean you're not going to have a sex change? Is that what you mean? (laughs) I wouldn't wouldn't cross the border illegally. uh, You know, in desperate situations, a lot of people do desperate things, I understand. And there's a whole bunch of that in the world today. But we still have to protect our borders and we still have to uphold the rule of law. You can't can't give exceptions to one and not to another. You have to draw the line somewhere. And if you don't draw the line somewhere, everyone's going to come at you from all angles, on both sides or all sides. So, well, is this woman is this woman a credible? We do have laws about asylum seekers, and is this woman a credible asylum seeker? I, you know, I would believe she would be a, uh, you know, in a situation like that, she could be a credible asylum seeker. Yes. Okay. All right, but uh, but you were in your circumstance. If that happened to you. You wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, try to make it into the United States. Well, fine. I would try to find the, the legal ways to do it. How are uh, you going to find the legal ways if you have no money, you're on foot, you don't speak English? There's a lot of and, people and, and like that. Why don't we just let them all in for all the different reasons and find out what happens? And we'll end up being Sweden or some other, or Venezuela, or we'll end up having uh, uh, influxes of people like the UK that just don't give a shh about our culture. Our ways, our laws, society, respect. Now we got to draw the line somewhere, and that line has so we're been gonna, drawn. So we're going to draw it with you, though. We're going to draw it with you. That's fine. I've, okay, I've, had, so, I've so, been on the so back the end of the stick many, have, many times, so and I've had to fight my way through it life. because of the laws, and okay. that's the way so, it is. Well, okay, that, that's interesting because. I'm I'm glad to have uh, I mean, heard that. You know, we can't. I mean, exceptions. There there are exceptions to the rule, and and society has been she's able to one bend of the legal, a little bit for those exceptions. She's one of the legal exceptions, my friend. Pardon she me. She is definitely a, a legal exception because well, it's then, well, if, put if into that's our laws. True, then she would be a legitimate asylum seeker, and those and and a legitimate asylum seekers do find ways of getting asylum in the US when their house is burned down and their ch- their husband is killed well we can husband. always go into the extremes and add more extremes to make it more viable can't we but again there is a oh, line okay. in the sand there is a ju- uh, laws in place and those okay. lines are very visible well i am so glad we had this conversation <laughs> at this point but i want to move on okay, okay? you got it all right <laughs> uh, Many people right now, in fact, probably about half of the American people believe that Trump is a racist. Others say that his efforts have in mind a broader good in mind and are willing to overlook his actions in the interest of protecting American sovereignty. We're going to take a closer look at these points of view. Is Trump a racist or a hero has had to adapt a hard-nosed strategy to protect our country, which you are an exponent of, right? Right. He's a hero who has had to adapt a hard-nosed strategy to protect our country. Now I want to present a clip from a, a talk by philosopher David Livingston Smith concerning his view of the rhetoric 
ideology and direction of Trump's speeches and political direction. Uh, actually, this is a clip from something. He's not really going to talk directly about Trump in this particular beginning of it. But he's the author of Why We Lie, The Evolutionary Roots of Deception in the Unconscious Mind, The Most Dangerous Animal, Human Nature and the Origins of War, and Less Than Human, Why We Demean, Enslave, and Exterminate Others. These are published by St. Martin's Press, and he's an interesting person. Let's listen to him for a few minutes in 89. Well, I want to start by this, with this quotation from a man named Roger Monicarl, that I'll be in, who I will be introducing to you in a little while. Uh, Carl is a very interesting guy, and his work has had a deep, deep influence on my thinking. Monicarl wrote in 1941, If man were wholly rational and influenced only by such propaganda as told the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, there would be no problem. But unfortunately, evidence and judgment are by no means the sole determinants of his beliefs and feelings. He has always been a credulous animal, easily convinced and easily inflamed by oratory. Sometimes he can be almost hypnotized into accepting anything that is asserted with sufficient authority and force. Our problem is to discover why. That's a problem he set for himself in the paper from which this quote is extracted. So let's look at some views of why. And let's start with good old Plato, um, the Gorgias, which is a wonderful discussion of sophistry, of a certain sort of rhetoric aimed at persuasion. Uh, Plato, in his characteristically elitist way, just thought people who were conned by this kind of language are just fools, they're just idiots. Pastry baking has put on the mask of medicine and pretends to know the foods that are best for the body. So that if a pastry baker and a doctor had to compete in front of children, or in front of men just as foolish as children, to determine which of the two, the doctor or the pastry baker, had expert knowledge of good food and bad, the doctor would die of starvation. That's his take of, on democracy, which actually perhaps has a little bit more credibility right now than it might have a year ago. So, you know, the idea is that the, the demagogue offers us uh, sweet, tasting things, they, um, but they, um, they're not nourishing, they're without substance. They, the, the demagogue panders to our baser desires without concern for our health and the health of the state. Well, really? Are they all so stupid? These are the 15 men who sat around the table on January 20th, 1942, deciding on the final solution to the so-called Jewish problem. This is the Vance Conference. Seven out of 15 of them had PhDs. They were not stupid men by any means. Mostly uh, PhDs in law, at least one in theology. So I, I think it's just plain wrong to think that people who, are, who swallow a certain kind of political rhetoric just have to be fools. In his uh, further conversation, Livingston will contrast the structure of the speeches of Hitler and Trump, attempting to reveal a pattern designed to induce conformity and embracement of a demagogue's strategy and leadership. These are the, uh, the steps here. One, and if you listen to Trump's speech, you'll see how they really conform to Trump's speech. He stressed the helplessness of the current situation, the grave dangers facing a population's lack of prosperity security and well-being, owing to forces deemed currently out of their control. The purpose of this rhetoric is to inspire fear, and for this reason certain facts may be created or stretched. War may be imminent, the economy may collapse, starvation and desolation may occur, etc. Number two, the designation of persons and groups responsible for this terrible situation. The fear developed in the first stage may now turn to anger as the culprits are identified. The goal here is to create out of a small number of miscreants in a minority, be they Muslims, Hispanics, Blacks, Jews, Asians, etc., a broad generalization or large exaggeration of the culpability of an entire group. Again, to do this, to turn a great majority of people against specific minorities, the truth may be greatly distorted. 
These groups of people can be called scapegoats, and the process can be called scapegoating. Three, the demagogue then can propose that he and his party or group alone has the real solution. And it's clear that a very powerful thrust of his solution is to dehumanize, attack, and cause harm to the groups and persons he has designated in the latter stage. In our last program, we asked the question, are we transiting from a democracy to an authoritarian government? <clears throat> there are many areas to look at, but at the end of the program, we begin to focus on the personality of an authoritarian who might take the reins of power and use them for that purpose. As mentioned in our last program and touched on here, is that one of the key elements of authoritarianization involves the use of scapegoats. One of the two major policies of Trump that triggered this fear was his first announcement of a Muslim immigrant ban, which morphed later into a travel ban with the majority of countries Muslim. This last one approved by the Supreme Court in, in effect. The second one was his treatment of immigrants on the southern border, including separation of families and his wide-scale deportation efforts. Were these policies justifiable in order to protect America, or were they just a smokescreen to inflame his very loyal and satisfied base? In order to transmit a message like this that would impact something beyond his normal base, Trump had to project fear into a wider group of people. For those who are not more or less already committed followers of Trump, terrorism is indeed a powerful tool to convert them. The typical rhetorical advice used to quiet the reaction to the massive loss of our civil liberties under the Bush administration, as well as specifically justify the use of torture, was that extreme threats justify taking away the freedom of the press, the rights of assembly and speech, habeas corpus, right to an attorney, and the very same protections against torture. In a certain sense, we are asked to believe and support a strategy that not only targets the potential enemy, but the innocence among us, even ourselves. Should we be more conscious and concerned about giving up our freedom and rights because of a potential danger? That is a matter of faith as well as reason. By this I mean the goodness of God and that we need not diminish our humanity when faced with a crisis. For many, this is too big a jump. Hence, we are here. As mentioned, people who believe in Trump do not think Trump is scapegoating Muslims or undocumented immigrants, overwhelmingly Hispanic, because of racist or other types of prejudice. To them, his, fundamentalist goal, his fundamental goal is to eliminate the flood of dangerous criminal and terrorist elements coming from overseas by penetrating our southern border. Thank God. Many, what? I said thank God. Yeah, okay, thank God. Thank you, thank you for agreeing with that description. Uh, to many, even outside of his base, he is clearly, he's clear of corruption, of warmongering, of forsaking the environment, perpetuating our absence of civil citizens' rights begun in former administrations. To those, despite his often negative rhetoric in regard to minorities, Trump has a reasonable agenda and is good for everyone. At least Amorosa thought so. Again, these people think that Trump isn't really biased, and though realizing that many, many people are hurt by his policies, in fact, thousands of civil civilians die in military excursions, families and hardworking people are deprived of security and prosperity, and children are brutally removed from their families, many never to see their parents again. This is necessary to protect our sovereignty of the United States and garner freedom for the rest of us. And if hundreds of people do not get asylum, they need, because they are authentically oppressed by extremely severe economic circumstances, by drug gangs, by civil unrest, it's really not our problem. Because we are citizens of the United States and the heirs of American exceptionalism. It is right and just that the marbles are on our side. God made us born or naturalized here because we are better. Often when someone is on the side of an authoritarian is met with certain facts, they either deny them or don't even know they exist. Perhaps more pointedly, they fail to investigate thoroughly any disappointing fact they might hear. This program is meant to stimulate thought and discussion of what some might call harsh and unnecessary treatment of minorities by Trump. Are his backers right? Or are his backers unconsciously participating in a psychological process called dehumanization, or as I prefer, subhumanization, which allows them to overextend their self-protection by looking at certain persons as somewhat less on the scale of humanity as they are, like your idea of Trump mar not marrying somebody who's black, because they're not quite as good. They have brought the, the, if they have brought, bought into this, they have bought into a psychological process that will allow them to rather easily bypass their conscience. 
In my opinion, this is a form of denial of the critical human resource of conscience that aligns us with the power of the divine presence of the Shekinah, which is an actual experience. If this kind of den <clears throat> denial is further functioning, one will overlook alleged corruptions of vi by violation of emolument graft, suspicious relations of his campaign staff to Russia, military excursions, including the use of drones with resulting excessive civilian death, punishing certain Muslim countries with virtually no history of sending terrorists here, but forging diplomatic ties with countries that have been or are now engaging in fostering terrorism, supporting military strikes, destroying vital infrastructure and resulting in astronomically high cholera epidemic in Yemen and ignoring the terrible resulting humanitarian crisis in that country, including attacks on a hospital and the recent deaths of 50 children, separating asylum seekers from their children without keeping appropriate records on that separation. In certain cases could be permanent, trying to downsize the help provided to asylum seekers, moving our embassy to Jerusalem and celebrating its opening during the whole scale massacre in full force in Gaza, potentially illegal pay payments to interfere with elections and one of the most expensive monetary indulgences and in massive adultery that I've ever heard of. In my previous discussions of this psychology of subhumanization, I've spoken of the phenomenon of transference, but I've defined it slightly differently than the Freudian based concept. This is used, that's used in psychiatric terminology. The original concept made the transference of feelings about another party, often apparent to the therapist, resulting in a possibly more obedient patient who might endow the therapist as deserving of the same quality of attention clients paid to a parent. In the way I am defining transference, it is simpler. It means the basic transfer of one's autonomy, of one's critical analytical and emotional faculties to a person in question. People who are transferred psychologically in this manner to an authoritarian politician or anyone else that they have given over to authority go light on their explorations of their idol. I absolutely see the same pattern I'm relating to Trump's bases with those who have given their allegiance to Hillary Clinton, who choose to ignore the claims of her alleged extreme pay-for-play pay -play scenarios when she was a senator and secretary of state, the allegations she illicitly deprived Bernie Sanders of the nomination, the unsecured server she used in the classified material that was sent out, the warmongering in Libya and the strange murder of a diplomat in Benghazi, and the abuses of the Clinton Foundation, a few of the, few of the key claims against her, including her election, alleged protection of her husband from the retaliation of women who had, who had been sexually abused. If Trump's scapegoating is Trump is scapegoating. One could ask if this is just a cold, calculated rush to obtain power, or does he really believe it? We suspect that most people who choose this route to dehumanize a minority and to persecute them do, do, do not do it completely dispassionately, but have some roots of genuine bigotry buried in their soul. Where do they get it from? I believe it can come from different areas, from a parent, from political propaganda aimed at scapegoating a minority, from an incident with a a member of a small group of minority whose objectionable activities become generalized to fit the entire, the entire majority. Instead of examining for the moment Trump's movements against Muslims and undocumented immigrants, which for many people try to excuse, uh, which many people try to excuse on the basis of reacting to a genuine fear, an assumption we shall discuss on another occasion, let us look at the less complexly but nonetheless often targeted Afro-American community. Owing to this history, we can see if there's any history of bias that might reflect on Trump's attitude towards this group, which with the emergence of Amorosa has piqued more public discussion about Obama's, about um, uh, Trump's alleged r racism, his current policies. This will at least clarify to some extent whether his actions in general are influenced by our whether his actions in general are influenced by a personal bias against one minority and whether or not his policies are an extension of the thoughts of an already bigoted person. His actions towards minorities is supposedly strategic objectives based on, on his and others' concept of plan needed to protect U.S. citizen rights at the price of another person's human rights. Even if he weren't prejudiced, these strategies appear to be corrupted ethically and spiritually. But still looking at any specific prejudice that has erupted for decades may well give us an insight into his authoritarianism. Why was it there? How did it stay there? And how did it grow? Our investigations may not give a complete picture of why it's fostering these government policies, but it may give us some clues. 
Authoritarians are generally heartless people who identify with a certain elite, and this is a tendency to be buoyed up by feelings of superiority for their own elite group, uh, and, group and disdain, hatred, and contempt for those who aren't. So let's look at Trump's background for a minute. During the time, let's go back into, not too long ago, but back into the 80s, and look at, look at his party affiliations. In July 1987, he became a Republican. October 1999, he joined the Independence Party. August 2001, he became a Democrat. In September 2009, he became a Republican. 2011, he had no part. He became an Independent, basically, again. In April 2012, he became a Republican. See, there was one problem in either party. The basic establishment base would probably choose one of the more recognize, recognizable names to vote for. Trump's genius was that he recognized there was a big base out there that was not being serviced by any party, but had the potential for supporting, campaigning for, and voting for a candidate with a radically different platform. You could recognize this <clears throat> through its hatred of the established political order, its desire for economic relief, particularly in the area of employment, its general dislike of Hispanics and other minorities, the suspicion of non-Christian religions, particularly Muslims who were routinely stereotyped as, as terrorists. The base was generally white, uneducated males. Trump knew that he could serve up a tasty platter to his base, but he had to start somewhere, and he decided to double-pronged the top on Hispanics and Muslims. This, in fact, was a master plan. Now he knew there were other minorities worth targeting. He decided to major in Hispanics and Muslims, but that didn't mean he would leave African Americans, Native Americans, and even Jews, yes, even Jews, despite his family members who are Jewish in extreme flirtation with Israel, which is Steve Bannon is a strategic advisor in the White House, head of Breibart, former head of Breibart, known for its pro-white nationalist sympathies and at sensitive moments seemed to side with white supremacists by not condemning their actions until practically forced to by, by um, public opinion. So now we're going to go to an interesting thing. Um, it seems like. Well, that was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It was, wasn't you know, it? let's go back to that authoritarianism for a second. Uh huh. You know, you need a strong leader. You need someone with a strong backbone, strong character, a strong constitution. Trump has that. And, I, I you think know, he has I, none I, of those. And, I, and, I don't but, think he has one aspect of those things. He's uh, not I, a strong he leader. Does. And he's I think not, he's him not wanting honest. to be him being an independent and a Democrat and Republican. I'm the same way. I went to the Democrat side and I went through the liberal side or uh, a libertarian side and back to the Republican side because the parties have changed so much that I don't even know what the Democrats stand that, for that anymore. Hold on a second. That wasn't a condemnation of him. That was saying why he would choose right, a route because that was it's different so, than either. It's so erratic out there that trying to find a base that literally – uh, you know, encompasses what your values are is just not possible anymore. Well, he did, though. Well, I mean, trying to find a party that will encompass all your values isn't possible anymore. So well, now well, he, he's, he, 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 he feels he the Republican one. is more, uh, Republican yeah. side is more towards his values, more towards my values, and probably most of the nation, to be quite honest. Uh and he has to juggle around a bit in that administration because, again, um, you know, it, there are so many different factions, uh, even in the Republican Party, like the neocons and so forth, that it, it, it has a lot of factions and you have to deal with that. And as far as his authoritarianism enabled, uh, yeah, that enables him to deal with it quite well, in fact. If I had my druthers, I would want a uh, a benevolent dictator, like the Creator, like God. I feel that the, uh, the Creator is a benevolent dictator. We have rules, structures, uh, quantum mechanics in place. You, there are certain things you can and can't do while you're alive here, and that's all by intelligent design. And I would have to say that intelligent designer is an authoritarian. Very strict well, rules well, I, in many so cases. So there's, nothing called, there's nothing called free will? I mean, free will isn't built into well, this. Well, we, we still have free will here, too. You know, I mean, 
again, I would, my druthers would be to have a benevolent dictator. I know people are going to be, that's just absolutely crazy. Okay, so in other words, but, not only do you disagree with my particular point of Trump, you disagree with the, with the structure of the United States government. Well, you disagree I, I with would it. hope, disagree I would hope with... that a man, authoritarian guy, will come in there and they will wipe out the deep state, bring the power back to the people's hands. I like Rand's thoughts on limiting government, limiting the amount of money the government has to spend, not giving it all to the government. And so I would be an authoritarian. If I were a president, I would definitely be an authoritarian. And I would literally try to steer this country in the direction I felt compelled to steer it because I was elected. And that's what I want. That's what a lot of people want, a very strong, constitution person, or in this case, constitutionalist. Well, this is a very, this is a very weak constitution because there's something called separation of powers. And right, but when, but when your designed, legislative branch and your judicial branch is all a bunch of pedophiles all stuck together with their own glue, all trying to, uh, to, to literally take apart America piece by piece and turn it over to the globalists. And one way they're doing that, of course, is through an influx of, 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 of cultures and immigrants into our country and then making everybody go, oh, whoa, we shouldn't do this to them. Oh, we should have open borders. Oh, you know, this is an exception. Oh, there's an, oh everybody's an exception to the rule. Oh, just, gee, we're screwing up Syria. We're screwing up Jordan. We're screwing up. Oh, well, let's just let all those people in here because we're well, so bad. Well, I don't know who that, and, who that represents. Know, it, it, just, it doesn't uh, represent my point of view which you know I, I've even talked about a militarized border, and it doesn't represent the democratic point of view because that's not what they say. <laughs> I, I'm, not saying that the, I, I'm not saying there hasn't been some loose things happening with the Democrats, but I'm, I am saying that is not what anybody I'd like an authori authoritarian to walk in there and slap the, the liberalism right out of the Democrats. Slap well, it right they, off their why face. Why don't they just kill and a lot of people? And if that were possible, why don't they'd they just be very kill happy. Yeah, but you see, you don't mind them doing that and killing and maiming and hurting millions of people I, by I, not again, providing them with there, enough health care. Again, we could go into the extremes yeah. of all sorts of our no, laws and our jurisdictional... 2,500 2, people, children, were ripped away from their families. Uh, that's you know, We've been focusing on this a lot. And it hasn't been focused on in prior administrations. There is a lot of bad policies still in place nothing, that need, nothing that like, need nothing to be like changed. This. True. Yeah, I agree. But I there's agree. nothing like this that ever happened before. And well, I, I think I, it's been happening much worse in the past. And now no, we're it, just it bringing been, limelight it, to it because it's getting better. The globalists are upset and want to use it as a crutch. Look, the people who and, are and, upset and about it are a lot of people that are all saying we're just evil people because so we're not think, allowing them so in I here. Well, that's just part and parcel to what the real money wants. Okay, you got to so remember the real money wants people like Johnny to to be out there and to be telling people that, gee, you know, we got a biased, racist person who separates families he's a murderer he, he 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 uses his executive power when he shouldn't it's killing people it's criminal and the globalist money the few families that are putting it all together are saying yeah like that guy genius we let's promote because you're doing exactly so that's what everybody else doing, exactly right? what the money has been planning for decades and see, right, when you look at the whole you know picture, you have to sit inside that whole picture and try to... I want my moment. You just made an accusation against me. Okay. So I'm going to have my moment. My moment <laughs> is I'm doing exactly what the um, founding fathers were trying to do. And, you are try and, and your friend here is trying to destroy it. And he's doing horrible things to people. And you can't tell me that the things that you just mentioned aren't really happening. They are happening. They are. And, they've, and they're, and they're going to continue to happen through this administration and the next and the next and the next for a while yet. I'm, I'm sure of it. Because I'm, talking about the, I'm talking about the civilian deaths. I'm talking about separating people from families. I'm talking about uh, banning people I from I think the problem here. got so worse like it did in parts of France, parts of Spain, parts of Sweden, parts of the Ukraine, parts of... Uh, 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 Ireland, Scotland, and now 
uh, you know, it, it, these things have gotten so bad he had to take a stand or we would have ended up having such major problems that it would have been an authoritarian state in a way that you could understand. But he has been actually eliminating those issues. And, and we're calling him on that as he's trying to solve these problems because they're serious. And they've created serious havoc abroad. Even the European Union's buckling because of it. And here we want to try to import all that. If we want to import third world problems, we will get third world problems. And then we'll be just like them. And then there really won't be an empire to defend anybody against anything. Right. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting point of view. And I do think it goes against everything that I believe about what's necessary about empowering right. people uh, to take, their, again, to take back of, their country. You know, we're in extreme times. A lot of people thought we were in end times. You know, all the, the, the crazies out there. We're in end times. So, you know, when you get all that psychological mass hypnosis on the stage and you put a lot of... Uh, um, problems on the stage like has come with previous administrations and I mean the Manchurian candidate and his, uh, the white-haired pedo before him and so on you know you end up having such problems that hard lines had to be drawn changes had to be made and um, he's only been in there a little over a year and he's making these changes year and a half he's making these changes the way I like I, 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 don't, I see still problems yes but I see the problem starting to come under some form of control where over the next 10 years we can start to eliminate many of these problems that have been happening. And negotiating with Russia for the Syrian pipeline and so on and having to deal with uh, uh, some of these third world countries again, trying to bring them uh, energy, trying to bring them natural resources that with, by company, countries that can afford it and doing it at a reasonable price, that's never easy. And you get a lot of criminality and big companies in there rolling in first, absconding with the natural resources, and then peddling it out to, to meet their own uh, coffers. It's unfortunate. It's the reality today. But, you know, we have to keep going through it, keep working coalitions with these other countries, and start bringing in, the, start tapping the resources, the coal, Tapping the coal. Let's keep doing it. Don't think it's creating more problems than uh, than uh, some of these private contracting, military contractors, and many of the large foreign companies and con companies that have actually been, uh, uh, you know, going um, out of their way, out of their way to actually create these sorts of problems. And to me, I think that President Trump is trying to negotiate on that global stage, free up resources, bring more jobs in, stop the petty red tape that's causing many of the other companies to um, not be able to compete anymore. Like the red tape and the restrictions have gotten so bad now, many of the smaller industries, natural resources industries can't compete. They're going out of business. That's causing even more havoc. So I see that he's doing some questionable things, questionable things in many people's minds, no doubt. And we're all going to get on him on the bandwagon. He's destroying the air. He's destroying the country. He's destroying our natural resources. That's not true at all. Come on. That's, I mean, we've had industry like this for years. Much. I mean, we've, we're, we have created very safe uh, uh, means for many of these industries. We're still working on them, like nuclear power and, of course, coal. But we got to keep doing it in order to create, uh, let's say, a more robust, a more modern, a more um, a society that can actually tap these resources for its own comfort, lifestyle, and benefit. And you know, the red tape that many of these past administrations have been creating and doing has laid waste to our country, laid waste to our infrastructure, laid waste to the company's abilities to grab these resources first without selling them out to China and Russia and the uranium instead of us mining it ourselves. Hell, let's just send it to Russia and put 20, 84 million in, in, uh, in Hillary's coffers. You see, so all the crime needs to come out. You need an authoritarian in there who's strong enough uh, 
to to be an outsider and to keep and to keep pressure on these insiders and call them, call them on their bullshit, call them on their criminality, and bring it out. You know that's a hard thing to do because money rules the world. It ain't the presidency; it's the money. And these people have the money to make everything look the way they want, and um, to continue this obstructionism on a scale that's global. Um, and I think again, Trump is a man that he granted. He, I would love certain qualities for him to have. I'd like to mix Rand Paul and Ron and Trump together with Ron Paul, and you know. Uh, let's say a Ross Perot, and mix all their ideologies together, and then you might have the kind of candidate I'm thinking of. But a strong man who's not going to back down because there are bleeding hearts in the world that are screaming, my heart's bleeding, my heart's bleeding, we got to open up the borders, my heart, this woman's been separated from her kids to the border because they illegally, oh, Jesus, I just can't do it. I can't well, I guess you, do I it. Guess you can. I moved here to this country so that it had a strong country with strong borders, a strong culture, strong nationalism, and it was going to be the bastion of liberty, the bastion of freedom, the bastion of capital enterprise, the bastion of democracy. That's what I want. And I don't want any other cultures in here trying to change that and get us to marry eight-year-old girls or to tra- change our culture and allow us to bugger the children or bugger the education or bugger. I just, that's not me. So there you I mean, go. Tell that's... me something. Do you, do you think that if Jefferson and Madison had heard your little discussion here that they would be very happy with you or would you not care? Or how, how do you think they would feel about it? Jefferson? Jefferson and Madison. Or you know, you founding fathers. With, you know, I'm a I'm a strict constitutionalist. I'm probably more like Trump's father than Trump is. Strict constitutionalist. I'd like to wipe everything out that isn't the Constitution and start from scratch. Well, if, I, have if, to, if I had my way, that's what I'd do. Then you wouldn't have any. T- you wouldn't have a a uh, person who would downsize the uh, legislature and the and the um, supreme and the courts system. Well, because they I'll would tell you, the, and the courts, they, they the judicial system that was actually, brought in from Britain and the, the whole... The, the whole you, look at, yeah. you look at the Declaration of Independence, it's basically a rant against tyranny, the kind that we're, we've begun to experience already. I'm going to end this program in a couple of minutes, and uh, I want to bring in a little more cheerful uh, part of this discussion that has nothing to do with this, if that's all right with you. Absolutely. Okay, so I, I'm going to be playing a song when we go by Lightstorm. It's called Love is the Source. And I want to talk a little bit about um, a Janima um, Wintergate, who's one of the two people, including his wife, Kalasu Wintergate, who have put together uh, Lightstorm. They're, they are songwriters, they're instrumentalists, and they're singers. In their development, they've had many adventures together. But I'd like to read an excerpt from one of their promotional releases describing Janima's intention as he found himself wishing to develop into a sort of traditional rock star. Right from the start, along with the first, <clears throat> the first record, Janima uh, had plans to use the possible fame along with the money that might come along to build the first children's village, a self-sufficient village structured along the lines of Gandhi's village autonomy system with cottage industries and a new type of school system. Then later on, if things went well, some other villages all over the world in order to adopt and house some of our world's often forgotten and neglected orphan children. Even though he had this lofty ideal that accompanied his pursuit of rock and roll fame, he realized early on, even though he was just starting to become somewhat known, that this kind of glorified life was just an illusion, a fabricated lonely false life image. It seemed to leave his heart empty, and he decided that it would be most likely end up being nothing more than a selfish, personal, hollow, ego glorification that would bring only a very fleeting, shallow, somewhat loveless, and unsatisfactory life experience with it. So by 1963, he decided to venture and move to California and hopefully find some like-minded individuals who wanted to help create the children's village idea and would also like to play some heartfelt, uplifting music with him along the way. And he actually did that. 
and it's gone through various ramifications. I'm not sure where it exactly is now, but uh, this is what he's the sort of thing he's devoted his life to. So we're going to wind up with these three different components here, uh, Don, and I thank you very much for your uh, eloquent and uh, defense of uh, of your point of view. Well, thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Thank you. So we'll do the uh, extra two, uh, final extra, and the finally, love is the source, and I'd like to play all of it if it's possible. All right, here we go, and folks, once again, thank you, and it was a sincere pleasure being on your show, Johnny. I love, I love debating with you. I love our after-hour calls and our, and our discussions on the air, and folks, really appreciate you tuning in. And hopefully you'll call in next week and you can join in and be a part of the program because it is a kind of a debate, learning, and hopefully a, a, a curriculum that will establish uh, a new form of, let's say, governance. But uh, until that happens, we're going to play the outro. And again, Johnny, thank you. You're welcome. I'll see you next week. Done. Thanks for joining Don Newsom and I on Inalienable and Free, Voice of the Coalition. As we go about developing our new organization, the Coalition for Planetary Empowerment, we hope you will consider the importance of taking part in the electoral processes of your government and asserting the rights you have to vote for the companies you respect and love by casting your ballot as a shareholder or as a consumer with what you buy. We hope soon to make this possible through a social network responsive to your needs to dialogue about your rights as a citizen, but also to be able to effectively act in concert with like-minded colleagues who find representatives of government and business executives will hear your voice and appreciate your message. See you soon. This is Johnny Blue Star. Imagine a dark night. The wind is crisp and cool, the sky cloudless and majestic. Perhaps you are walking alone or with a loved one. Scattered about the night sky are thousands upon thousands of points of light. Look above you, friends of this restless planet. Out there into the night sky, unknown worlds await. Beauty behind imagination, intelligence beyond comprehension, life in its infinite forms and variations, yet all from the same seed, the same fundamental vibration. A cosmic tapestry of infinite light yet each thread unique and indispensable. Look above you, out into the vastness of the night sky, for your destiny lies out there, somewhere among the stars. Just 
the gold 